Hi, I'm Kevin McDermott. And I'm Casey Grambo. We're performers at the CT Comedy Theater in Hartford, Connecticut. While our physical theater is shut down due to the pandemic, we're excited to bring our show, Little Worry, Big Worry, to you in this digital space. On each episode of Little Worry, Big Worry, we are joined by a very funny guest to talk about what we're worried about, the silly little things and some bigger personal fears. We talk things over, we break it all down, and hopefully we feel a little less worried. Casey Grambo, how are you? I'm doing all right. How are you, Kevin? I'm great. It's nice to see you. It's good to see you too. I mean, we're like, this is like the most exciting thing for me because I just like seeing people. So being able to be here and see you is, is renewing for myself. It's been, I agree a hundred percent. It's been such a delightful element of this project with you is I just get to see another human face and interact with them in right. a creative way. Right. Is, you could be anybody and it would be, it would be. I feel the same way about you. You could just yeah. be anybody. It could be like any old person could be in that box that I'm right. looking at right now. Yeah. I think like even just like a dummy in like a, you know, a Guy Fox mask. Yeah. And the Zoom screen. It, it could green. be a, a pot. I mean, it could be a, a, right. a, a, a pan uh, from the yeah. kitchen and I wouldn't care as long as it just as as smiled it back at me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, Good. I'm, I'm glad, glad we're on the same anyway. page, Casey. Um, I want to thank you for your recommendation from last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so Casey recommended something good in our uh, segment that we do at the end of each episode that um, I write a letter, right? Or I write something or like personal. Like just send some mail. Send yeah. some mail, yeah. Um, and I have been like, it has caused me to be very conscious of like how I write both in text messages and in email. And it is a delight to be expressive in writing. And I, you, your suggestion just framed that for me, like reminded me, yeah, that that's really fun. Oh, I'm so glad. I have to admit, I have not got to listen to You Must Know Everything, the podcast, which is a delightful uh, father-daughter podcast, right? Yes, it is so cute. I can't wait for and- you to listen to it. Yeah, I, I will speak more on it when I when I indulge. But uh, Awesome. Well, stay tuned, all you listeners and viewers, to the end of the episode because we're going to recommend a couple of other good things for you to engage with, um, videos. And as this, like Casey recommended an activity for me, mail something, write a letter. Uh, but we've recommended albums in the past, so stick around for that. But let's not waste any time here, Casey. Let's bring on our guest because he is amazing. Can't wait to talk to him. So joining us today is a Connecticut-based improviser, sketch writer, performer, and the co-host of the sports and anime podcast, Coach Me Sensei. Please welcome our guest, Josuel Rosario. Yeah. There. Yes, Josuel. Hey. Oh, man. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for being here. We are, yeah, really psyched to talk to you and are so grateful that you've agreed to appear and and be on the show. Well, I've got... You know, some things to get off of my chest. So where better to do that than on Little Worry Big Word? I'm <laughs> glad you were saving it up. <laughs> it just so happened to coincide with the podcast you created. These have been saved up for a long time. So I'm, <laughs> I'm glad I get to that now. It's just kismet. We created this for you, specifically Good. just to dump it all out. Yeah. I can't yeah, wait. I, I'm so glad. Holy smokes. Should we get into it, Kevin? Uh, I would love to. Why Let's waste time, it. Casey? 
let's get right into it time so let's get let's start worrying um so i think i'm first and on our show we we start with little worries so um my little worry is that i'm worried that i liked giving my plant up for adoption too much (laughs) (laughs) and um I should provide us some some context. We need to know um, more about the plant. Yes, Casey. So I had a plant. Um, many of you have probably seen these kind of plants, a monstera. Um, I think deliciosa or whatever the plant name is. It's uh, a it's delicious the, monster plant. Delicious monster. They call it the Swiss cheese plant. Right, which adds to the delicious part of it. <laughs> so delicious. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this big plant, plant or little plant? I'm sorry to interrupt. Oh, it's a, it... no, it's fine. It's a floor plant. It's a big plant. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's you know tropical. For, it's for, cool. Yeah. For some context, uh, it it barely fits in the back of a car. It oh. barely fits in the back of like a mini SUV. You might be wondering why Joshua has so much context. And it's yeah, because, he seems to know a suspiciously large amount about this plant. It's because I put this plant up for adoption, and Joswell is the new parent of this plant. Um, this plant is now my child. I am now a plant <laughs> daddy, and I'm loving it. Oh, I'm so Ooh. glad. So the reason why I had to give it up is because it's toxic for my cat who wants to eat it. Um, and it wouldn't kill the cat to be chewing on it but it i as is evident by as evidenced by me hosting a show about being worried i was worried that the cat was gonna die um and joe swell was the first person to raise his hand um to adopt this plant and i felt so excited that it was (laughs) that somebody wanted to take this plant um, because just what he wanted it so he could poison his cat or did your cat eat it or always or like yeah oh, was trying so this plant used to live in my living room it was gorgeous there were two chairs there was a plant i felt very adult i felt extremely fashionable can confirm it, that i immediately got those feelings as soon as that plant crossed the threshold of my apartment door it's a you get it. <laughs> yeah, living living room plant just stamps you as an adult. Uh, that is, yeah. yeah. It, it pairs nicely with like a record player and like a you know a, a bourbon or something. Like, and and I I, pro- I promise you, it is right next to my record player. <laughs> <laughs> this is like truly embarrassing, but it's tr- it's a vibe. And I and I really was so afraid that I ended up locking this plant in a guest room. Um, you and... grounded the plant. <laughs> <laughs> Stop poisoning my cat. <laughs> so, yeah, but what you're saying basically is I, I abused a plant child and then gave it up. You, for you sent it to its room. You're like, plant, go to your room. I and... said, plant, go to your room. And, you know, uh, Nate and I are in a new, my fiance Nate, for those of you who don't know, and I are in a new, new place. We don't have furniture for all of our spaces so like this isn't a guest room that's like can be locked like this guest room like has my underwear in it like i have to go in <laughs> so like you banish the, the plant to an empty bleak unfurnished room no no this plant was is in a more furnished room than i live oh in. Like, i see, I see. <laughs> so, anyway, I the like, plant had to go the plant this... but it, it lived a life of luxury before i got abandoned it did 
it really did. And I just had to go in there. The cat was always like, like trying to get like in the room. <laughs> and I was just like, you turd! Like, stop, stop. Um, and this every time I had to go get something from that room, it was just annoying. So I, I decided I wanted to stop feeling frustrated and start feeling relieved. And yeah. it was such a relief. And then there were people just while well, you saw, you probably like looked at the Facebook thread. People were amped about this plant. Yeah, I feel very blessed that I got in when I did. I think I saw the post. Well, Grant, my girlfriend saw the post uh, like 30 seconds after it was posted and we were sitting next to each other. And she goes, do you want this? I go, sure. That looks great. That looks so cool. And we were the first comment there. But immediately, like 30 seconds after us, was another comment. And then probably like a, like 10 or so comments afterwards of people being like, we really love these plants. We really want this plant. And I will say, I I mean, like, I almost, like, caused a ruckus over here because I did not ask for permission. I mm. put this plant up for adoption without anyone else who lives here's consent, a.k.a. Did you ask the cats? <laughs> <laughs> the cats were pissed. Nate didn't care so much, but the cats were pissed. I, did you buy it, Nick Casey, or did I Nate did. buy it? So, yeah. But it was one of those things where, you know, when you're in a relationship, I guess, like, you know, your money is our money in some ways. And it yeah. was a plant that we did buy together, but I did purchase it. Right. Um, And it was one of those things where Nate was, like, surprised it was gone. And, like, to the point where I had already, like, moved on to giving, like, the clippings away from this plant. I was like, you didn't get the plant? Well, do you want its tiny baby brother? <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was just ready to get these guys out of here. Um, and it felt so good. And I'm like, what does this mean? That I was like, I had this task and I just wanted to get it done. So what do you guys think? Was it was it a maternal kind of like triumph that you protected your cat and you had mm. triumphed over its own? Like I do have a follow up on the behavior of the cat, um, but 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 were you satisfied that you had done right by your cat? I guess there was a little bit of like martyrdom of like I made a sacrifice mm. to like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, so you, you think you consider it a sacrifice that you got rid of the planet? What there was no ill will towards the plant where you wanted it out of your house. I wanted oh, to Casey fucking hated that plant. That, that's Deep my thought. Like this, this plant, oh. this plant was hurting the cats, was taking up a spare bedroom where your underwear was. Stole How her checkbook. It ran all my, a bunch of you know, debts. all my clothes, my t-shirts, my socks, it, all the drawer stuff. Right. And <laughs> so, were you were you relieved to get rid of it because it was a nuisance, or was it a? I finally figured out how to have this household livable for both myself and these cats, and we've compromised, and this is good now. I had this kind of three-part reaction where there was like, and one part it felt good because I was like, I made the right choice. I didn't want to get rid of this plant, but it was the right thing to do. And then, because I saved my cat. And then I was also like, handing it over to, to Josuel, like on my porch. Like it, there was like this feeling, I was like, okay. There was like literally this like, this mesh of like, this goes from being mine to being yours of like being like, here you go. And like, right. it did feel like really exciting to be like giving somebody something that they were excited and going to be able to enjoy. Um, and it, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I think that kind of like the thrill of um, so quickly being like, take this thing that's quotation marks mine and do a better job than me <laughs> or, you know, yeah. And do a better job than me. That was um, really enjoyable. 
to do. So do you love, maybe you're addicted to charity. Maybe you should just start giving away more things. I am kind of addicted to charity. I work in fundraising. It's a good feeling. Um, anytime I see any sort of like fundraiser that's like, please help with this. I'm like, I, I feel like I'm just like handing out $10, like every, like, to any charity, like anything. So like if anybody you know, needs 10 bucks, like if you ask, I might give you $10. <laughs> I feel like you also succeeded in finding the best option, right? The other options were like you keep it in your house and your cat gets sick, you right. dump it in the backyard and it dies, or it lives on somewhere else. Like you you did right by the plant, you did right by your cat. I mean, Nate's you screwed him over because now he's out of a plant. So but <laughs> yeah. uh everyone else really is happy, surprised. right? And you you satisfied your altruistic self uh in and, some value. And you satisfied your your old pal Joe Swell. I'm I'm very <laughs> yeah. happy to have this plant. Unbelievable. I'm so excited that you're excited because you know, yeah, it's just nice. And I think gift giving is also my what my my giving love language. So like mm. to be able to be like I can't have this, but there, it was so it was like I I didn't feel actually emotional, but it is like full of emotion to be like, and I think that's maybe why it's a good thing for like some. <laughs> Like good like for goodwill to not be you like handing something directly to somebody else because it's like kind of like just like this charged moment. It's like yeah, we need the behind the building drop off so we can like get the people out of here. <laughs> Casey, I love your motives for, for for all of this. I mean, they're manif manifest uh, myriad rather. And when you initially had that worry, I thought like, oh, she's gonna be happy that she dumped her problem on somebody else. And that's why she's oh, worried. Oh, that was the but... biggest thing. I was, I like, that's why I kept it for so long is because yeah. I was like, a lot of people I know have a cat and like, I would not be able to live with myself if they like chomped and died on this plant. Can you give me a little bit on that? I don't own a cat. I don't, I don't understand this pathology of the cat nibbles on the plant. Does it vomit pretty quickly or like how long does it take? And then it does it again. Like does it not learn that this plant is doesn't learn. bad. Cause it's a, cause it's a or... young, it's a kitten. And some okay. cats are like, you know, they jump on stuff. Food and obsessed. Food some of obsessed. them won't eat anything. Okay. They're like okay. the goats of the, fe <laughs> <laughs> of the feline world. Um. Yeah. And you know, he was pretty good at also like, he wasn't like, he never actually puked, but like, it's cause I kept him away from it. I tried talking to like friends who I knew were like plant cat girls that like, ha like their plants and their cats like coexist and mm. it's beautiful, but I couldn't, I could not facilitate a cat plant environment. Um, Is, so did you say you got like a lot of suggestions on how to co cohabitate? The, the There's cat a couple the of people plant? who on Instagram I know, I, I wasn't like writing to strangers, but like some people who I'm like, hey, I noticed that you have a cat and you have like a couple of like pet toxic plants. Like, uh... how do you do it? <laughs> I've noticed you're also an irresponsible. Cat. <laughs> how do you manage that? <laughs> well, it's wonderful that your plant, which was a you know problematic for your home, found an amazing new home. Uh, with Joswell, and I understand Joswell. This is not the only new addition to your domicile. Not not no, just the plant. It's not. 
it's not. And I won't I won't say that he's new, but my little worry that I brought for the show today is um that I I'm worried about how to be uh the best step dog dad that I can be. Uh my my girlfriend, she has a dog. We've been dating for about two years now. And her dog, she's had he's seven years old. She's had him since he was a puppy, and he's great. I love him so much. But I've never had a pet before. So I worry now that we, you know, we spend more time together and I'm sort of becoming more and more responsible for the dog, that I am not living up to his expectations of what a good owner should be. Oh like I, wow. Dog <laughs> I don't have like ecology. the training, <laughs> the training oh. or the background. A lot of kids grew up with pets. I only yep. had a snake when I was a kid. And that took little to no work. Uh, <laughs> Most of the work is just not getting eaten by the snake. <laughs> just feed it a mouse and it loves you. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I think that my background doesn't suit uh, a dog with such high expectations. He's had uh, his mom who's been killing it for, you know, seven years. And then this dude comes in and I have to go take him out. And he's like, where are we going? And I'm like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know where you poop. I don't understand where all these things happen. So uh, I... I just worry about getting up to speed to be the best dog dad that I can be. Yeah, you're worried uh, about a... this dog being like, Ugh. <laughs> this like dude. If she has to go somewhere. And she's like, hey, can you watch him? I I want him to be like, yeah, we're hanging out with dad. Not like, no, mom, please don't don't go. Don't leave me here. With Yo, this mom, weirdo. this dude doesn't even know where I poop. Come on, <laughs> leaving me with this guy again? Really? They're, they're very specific about that. Sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you don't sound like you believe me, Kevin. No, I do. My dog poops in a very specific quadrant of the yard. And outside right. of that quadrant, he does not poop. And you're like, what is happening with the mapping in your head for your defecation? Like, why is it so specific? So, Our no, I, I only I, poops where there's like, there's like foliage around him. He's like, no, don't let me be out in the open. <laughs> He's a catalog pooping dog. He's like, some more falling leaves behind me and some more sunlight I need. But, you know, Joseph, I'm curious. So are you more worried that this dog kind of like doesn't like you or that you're not like, because I know there are sometimes like as a pet parent, I'm like, oh, God, you know, I really should be walking them more or doing this. Like, Do you want to be creating an ideal situation or are you feeling like your lack of are you more worried about your lack of pet knowledge? I think it's my lack of pet knowledge. I think we have a great relationship right now where we hang out. Uh, and I'd like to, and I, I will say that the mom does a lot of the, still a good amount of the responsibility, but I'd like to be in a position where like, it's sort of equal. Uh, but I just don't understand. Oh, sorry. I just don't understand like the training and stuff. Like sometimes I do things with them and I'm like, is this, am I creating good behaviors for you? I like, I just want what's best for him. And I don't know how to, how to determine what that is. <laughs> I imagine this is what actual parents go through where you like teach your kid a lesson and you're like a year from now is this going to be the wrong lesson like is this is this creating situations that I'm not aware of a lot of the times you're just like fingers crossed that was the right thing I don't know it felt right <laughs> like we'll see I don't know um, was was the dog cool with you right away or was there a kind of like a, a little standoffish period right at first do you remember like I think he was friendly with me right away but not like there wasn't a bond or anything i think he's just yeah. excited to see people uh we're at a point now where nor did he reject you right away or like no he, yeah yeah no i i think we were fine i mean this, this he's the sweetest dog ever so i don't think he hates anyone 
Yeah. Uh, so I think I was just another person in the beginning. Now we're at a point where he's like excited to see me and stuff. But, um, you know, I, 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 I don't want to mess him up by like feeding him too much or anything like that. I don't know his diet that well. I feel like his mom has a really good grasp of like what he needs to eat and things like that. So I, I just worry that if, if left to my own devices, if, if the pressure were ever on me to take care of this dog, this being that I care about very, very much, I'm not at a point yet where I can do that on my own. Yeah. This is so funny. This is reminding me of like, this is bringing me back to when like I was like originally like coming into a relationship where a dog was already established. Um, and first of all, it's also reminding me that <laughs> there's this joke. I can't remember if Nate wrote it or I wrote it where, or I think it was Nate where he said, um, all of us are our pet step parents. Like their parents are dogs. <laughs> um, so that, was, that reminded me of that and made me laugh. But I'm there is this kind of like, you know, this responsibility where it's like, yeah, you're learning about this pet. Like if you're left with it alone, like it's kind of freak. It's like really scary because you're like, I'm responsible for you. Like what if you get hurt? Like, you know, all these things. And like I'll take, I took Champ, our dog, out for a walk in the woods a couple weekends ago, and he ran ahead, and I was like, no, 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 and then he like ran towards the edge of like a frozen pond, and I was like, oh god, oh, no. it's a wonderful life. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna fall in, and then I'm gonna lose my hearing in one ear. That's a hundred percent like a kid. Like, no, no, come back, come back. Oh no, you're too close to the edge. Wait, wait, wait. So I, I. I kind of had like suppressed that anxiety and worry just well of like, it's not my dog, but it does come through in those moments of like, right. Oh my God, if something happens, like I'm toast, like my, tr I'm never going to be trusted again. Can I ask you, are you at a point now where you feel like champ, you are truly champs champs mom or does it still feel like Nate's dog? And you're just like, go ahead. I think that it's like, when I went, when I stopped working at a traditional office and started doing like freelance work and I was home like all the time with the dog, like that was like our bonding time. Like it was like, it was like during those times where it was like, I'm in charge of you, you know, it's not just when Nate and I are here together, like, you know, it's me. <laughs> and uh, I think we grew really close during that time. And it sounds like so dorky, but it's true. Um, and I think like after that, I feel like I'm like, he is also my dog. But it, that was like three, that was like two years into living with said dog. Right. My two bond years. came from like a number of failed attempts to do activities with the dog. Um, it's a hound dog. So the effort to get him to bring a ball back failed. Um, <laughs> the effort to get him to catch a Frisbee failed. Um, we tried to do agility courses in the backyard, like didn't take, I tried to take him for runs and like, we just couldn't match the pace and like the intent of like what we were wanting to do. But then all of those things, it was like, oh, but we spent hours and days together. So yeah, we're pretty cool now. You know, like none of those, <laughs> like none of those activities took, but the effort to, you know, try them and you know, that was the bond, you know, that, yeah, it's. He's still my wife's dog, a hundred percent. Like he is connected to her. But then he's like, "Yeah, I do like hanging out with you. Like it's cool. You're a good second option. Pretty good." Good. The way, yeah. Nate, and I think that's all I can ask for. Yeah, for the, the most way part. Nate describes it is like him and Champ are dragon-hearted. Like they are. Like they share mm -hmm. a like they are a bond. But he's like, but he likes you more, which I think is 
Jesus. <laughs> Where it's like, I would die for you for Nate. And then he's just like, but you're my fave to me. So like, be, get, be prepared to be the fave. Which is fine. I think that's fine. As long as I'm a positive force in their life, I think, uh, I think I'm happy. I just want to be the best positive force I can be. And if that yeah. makes, if I have to play second banana to, to dog mom, that's okay too. That's beautiful. Is the dog eating the plant or are they? Uh, no, he's separate? also, he's a, a hound dog as well. So he just loves smelling it, but he's yeah. not much of a, an eater of plants. He's not like those, those dastardly cats. I got a beautiful picture of this dog laying next to the plant. And Swell's girlfriend Cassandra goes, I think he feels tropical. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> I was unaware of that message. That's very funny. He does like to sleep under it now. It's so funny. I love it. Well, just so that's so incredibly sweet. And it is reminding me. And I've, and I and Kevin says the same situation too, like coming into relationships with dogs. Yeah. Yeah, we had our, our new dog, we got, um, you know, our, our we had a dog previous uh, who we sadly uh, put down about a year and a half ago. And um, it was it was like new. I, I, this was my question. Sorry, just well. Is it a young dog or is it seven years old? Sorry, yeah, he's so. about seven. Yeah. The, the transition for us from like a very old dog. Gilly was 14 when we put him down. Like, and for, you know, the last couple of years, like 13, 14 year old dogs, they're not moving around a ton. And he was relatively like lumbery. Um, and then to have like a young, active, like dog was just such a crazy switch in terms of like what he wanted to do and what the dog needed and how we related to it. Um, so it was, it was just like super fun having that activity and that burst of energy all the time. Um, that was awesome, Joshua. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. No problem. Thanks for helping me work through that, guys. I, I feel better about the situation. Now. Do you? No, I, I really do. I, I, I appreciate hearing the perspective of other people who came into relationships where dogs existed or feel like their dogs are more attached to their partners than, than to them. So yeah. I, I feel better. That's what little worry, big worry is all about. Yeah. Um, well, we're going to transition into our bigger worries. And these are, you know, things that are on our mind that are a little bit weightier. Um, and I'm going to lead off with one that has been on my mind a lot. Um, I find in my professional career, uh, I have to deliver bad and disappointing news fairly regularly. Um, and often I'm, I, I work at a college. And um, so this news that is bad or disappointing is often delivered to like 17 to 22 year old young people. And my worry is that I'm not offering or um, delivering that bad or disappointing news in the best possible way. Traditionally, I deliver it very bluntly and very directly and as precisely as I possibly can, as objectively and as like bluntly as possible. Um, and I think, you know, for two reasons, one, it's like, somewhat self-protective of like for me that is a little bit detached and it does like match my personality in general like that is it it kind of aligns with my thinking um but i also justify it as like this is what the other person would want to hear the straight dope i'm giving it to them like cut and dry you know just the straight the straight uh information and I don't know if that's the best way to do it. Um, 
especially as I get older and I have like a lot more empathy for like 17 to 22 year olds, the stage of life that they're in. Um, and I don't know, I'm wondering, yeah, whether there's a different approach and how you guys do it, both if you receive bad or disappointing news and if you ever have to deliver it, because it's hard. And I'm thinking a lot more about it where when I was a younger in younger in my career, I don't know. I didn't give it as much thought. Can I ask what their responses are like? Um, do they have a response that makes you think that you're you're going about it the wrong way? I feel like their response is what their response is usually what I expect when you direct news to somebody in a very matter of fact way. You know, um, they and I usually like I'm usually somewhat careful to deliver the news in as comp I, I, I try to be comprehensive and plan to not not make it like airtight, but to be like the, these are all of the reasons and now we're out. <laughs> you know, like you just that's, speak really fast with no breaks until the news is out. Pretty much. It's like it's like a high school essay. It's like introduction, here whoa, here, <laughs> here are my three that was intense. Here are my three paragraphs conclusion and we're out you know like um and my thesis statement was tight my conclusion kicked ass you know and um i have so another yeah. question i'm curious like about the stakes of this bad news because i feel yeah. like i know you're a coach and i know if you're working at a college that's recruiting people i'm assuming this is like you know, that is exactly, that's exactly it. Yeah. It's like, it, yeah, from yeah. you're not coming here to, yeah. hey, you're, you're not, you know, you're like, you're not, you're not on, you're not starting this week. You yeah. know, like, so. Casey, you know a remarkable amount about my job because those are the ex two exact scenarios. <laughs> Precisely. Well, it's well, it's I'm... recruitment and kids who are either not competitive for admission for one reason or another, those who don't, aren't admitted, and then those who are there might not find the position that they want, you know, within the team. I was, yeah. uh, as a person who played a lot of sports, but was not particularly athletic. I was skilled, but not athletic. I was on the receiving end of a lot of like challenging coach feedback. And I think, I do think that the strategy of making it very clear and kind of like, Hey, it's not really a discussion about some of these things is valuable because I think there are going to be some moments where, I know for me, I, as a young person getting feedback like that, there's a lot of, it's very emotional, you know, and you want to know why. And like, if you're able to kind of like leg it out and not be kind of mysterious about like what's going on, I think it gives people something to go chew on as opposed yeah. to, you know, kind of spin your own story and um and i think being really honest and explicit helps with that um i feel like i didn't really have a lot of honest and explicit conversations with coaches for lots of reasons yeah um i don't want to talk too much just what, what are some of the thoughts you're thinking about um i'll say you said you're worried about it but honestly it sounds very considerate the way that you sort of thought out how to deliver that news i think as long as it doesn't sound personal you, you mentioned the word objective sort of matter of fact i think as long as it's not coming from a personal place yeah. It might hurt hearing the news, but as long uh, I think going forward, they can understand 
what you said to be factual and not like an attack on them or anything, just a matter of fact, like this is a situation, I'm sorry that it didn't work out kind of way. Yeah. And they can do what they can with that information without having to process like, does he hate me? Was he being a dick or something like that? It's just more about the facts. So I, I think from, I'm, I'm not a sports person. I, I'm, I wasn't competitive at all. So I've never been on like the receiving end of that information. So I don't have any personal experience, but I think from what you said, I, I, that's the, that's probably the best way to go about it. It sounds like yeah. you, you sympathize and understand what they're going through. I, I appreciate that tremendously. And I think that's all, that's all accurate and correct for my side of the equation. But I always feel like those interactions, whether it's a manager and an employee or a coach and an athlete or a parent and a child, like there's always two sides of the equation. So all of that works for my psychology and my makeup of like your value system. Totally, totally. It aligns with me. And I'm like, but that's not, that's only half of the equation. How do I empathize more with the person on the receiving end? And what adjustments can I make to, I, I don't know if the mathematical equation metaphor is, is appropriate, but to balance it a little bit more. Right. And because there's, well, you how... hit it on the head, like you described me. Right. Like right. Th that process is perfect for me. So is it perfect for other people? How often are you delivering this kind of news? Uh, um, it varies quite a bit, but like, you know, I, I feel like there is um, regularity to um, and, and even within my life, like as a parent, you have to tell your kids things they don't want to hear or mm -hmm. um you know, and, and in other professional contexts, I have to say things that other people don't want to hear. Um, and so, and, and maybe to expand it even more, it's like any time you are offering critical feedback, um, you know, we've all dealt with it in various artistic contexts where, you know, how do you take direction? How do you give direction? How do you give coaching? How do you take coaching? Um, so yeah, all of that said, like writ large, the approach that I take is very, it, again, matches me and my loud, deep-voiced, bald-headed <laughs> self, you know, like <laughs> my, my rhetorical style matches my physical style my expression, roughly. I love the idea of, of a delivery being described as bald-headed. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you got a single hair on that delivery. <laughs> the red-faced, like... Yeah, the red potato-faced Irish bald guy delivery, you know. Like... <laughs> you know, I I have two I have two kind of semi-related things. So like I just wanted to share that like I I think as much as much as I'm like, yeah, that's the right thing to do. Like just give everybody the real dose of the reality. Like I know I don't necessarily always do that when I'm giving feedback uh, or, you know, um you know, delivering bad news. Um I am definitely a coucher. I couch things. I, you know, avoid or try to like, uh, try to problem solve around it or give people kind of like the sunny side of the bad news. And, um, and I think that if that's something that's like, if that's something that's like burning inside of you, Kevin, like I, I wouldn't suggest necessarily going in there, but I did have a really interesting training opportunity with um an artist named liz lerman i think it's liz lerman 
I'm embarrassed now that I don't remember her name's Liz. She's a choreographer and she created this thing called critical response process. And it basically, and bad news isn't necessarily the same thing, but it's, I think with coaching, it it's more uh, applicable, but there's a whole like level of like consent of like, I'm, I want to give you, you know, feedback on X, Y, Z. Like, do you want to hear it? And like, mm is or you know as a coach you're kind of like it's your job to kind of give the feedbacks maybe just saying like is now a good time to talk about it or something like kind of like giving people like maybe like i know as like a hot-headed turd athlete like there were times like i did not i probably shouldn't have received certain feedback in that moment and i did not react well and you know (laughs) and i i think that if i would have been given some space to kind of like process what was going on then maybe I would have taken that feedback better. Yeah. And to the you point know, of, of providing space, uh, I was just curious, uh, is there an opportunity when you deliver this news at the end for them to ask questions or sort of gain closure? Or do you just sort of like deliver the bad news and then jet out the door? It doesn't sound like there's... Dude, that, that is like an amazing question. Um, if I'm going to answer, if I'm going to give you the most honest answer, I will say I always ask is that clear? Like, can I provide any more clarity on it? Like, are there any questions? But like my rhetorical style, I feel like is designed to eliminate any space for questions. And that's deliberate, which I, which again is like, that's what I'm worried about of like, that's might be really shitty. Like that I, that I am so concerned with being, I mean, part of it is like a good intention of wanting to be thorough and wanting to be comprehensive, but like also wanting to avoid that confrontation or that like, I don't mind questions because I want to have sound reasoning behind everything that I do and the choices that I make. So if you want clarity, it's my job to provide it. Um, and, but I, I, again, I think when I'm delivering disappointing news, I just don't leave that space. Um, I I may offer it, but there's not really an opportunity. If that makes sense, yeah. I just like slam it. I'm like I I slam the ball, you know, and and that's not great because I, I I want to um, you know deliver it with more compassion, I guess, um, which mm. is not does not come naturally to me, frankly. Maybe there's a way to weave some of it in within the because I do I do think that. Uh, if it's not if it's not up for discussion because that's the other thing right is that like there's some things that are up for discussion in life that are bad news related right like you know a breakup for example but like you're not admitted like to this university it's like it's not up for discussion you know um and i a lot of it is just yeah yeah it is just cut and dry yeah it is binary it's like a a one or a zero on a lot of this stuff so there's i think there might be an opportunity to like weave in some you know i like and i'm sure you do it but like maybe kind of like maybe just do a speech or two like like out loud or you know to somebody and just see try out some different things like uh because yeah it's that's really hard yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I feel like I do. A lot of people do soften with age, and I feel like I am absolutely Ooh. like trying trying to soften <laughs> with age because, like, 
10 years ago or 15 years ago, you know, to give, you know, my, I'm 20 years into a coaching career. Uh, I, I wouldn't have even thought about this. It was like my way or the highway. My mentors were like old school, hard ass dudes. Like, and that was, you know, what I responded to as an athlete. And that's how I led, um, which is not, I don't think the best way for me to lead anymore. Um, and I don't so. know about you, Joswell, but I feel like in a lot of the spaces that I'm in, like my way or the highway is like no longer, co like no longer kosher. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll say uh, in, in my field, I feel like it still exists. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's a very old school way of thinking. I think that that's like, I, I, I work in an, in the engineering field and a lot of like the old school engineers are very like cut and dry. Like this is how I do things. No sort of bending or compromise. But a lot of the newer guys, I think, are more open to that sort of discussion. Mm. Yeah, that's an. I mean, engineering where it's either it it supports the weight of the structure or it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't like, right. It's like it is usually a binary outcome. Go about it. I, I think there are usually a lot of people have a lot of opinions in the discussion of like how do we figure that out. Yeah, um, yeah, that's and true. some people are, are less are less open to that discussion. But mm. I, I think, I think that's, that's actually a good sports analog of like the outcome is very like you know it is it is yes or no um but the path to get there is so collaborative and so you know subjective to everyone's hopefully to everyone's opinions right um i i think just to i guess wrap up my thoughts on this the, the last thing I, I i feel like if they were more open to discussion maybe if you like had mm -hmm. made it left more space for them to talk if you're worried about them uh, they're either fine and they walk out of their fine, or if they have an issue, they can try to hash it out with you there. It does require you sort of sitting in it and like dealing with that, which I get is like, probably really uncomfortable in, in that sort of position. Yeah. But, but, maybe, but I, yeah, I, I think that's in, incredibly valuable. And, and I am again now, you know, I, not, not that it's more maturity, but it's more openness to that process of like, I am self-confident enough to like sit in it and you know allow for discussion where probably 10 years ago you're younger and less self-confident and less self-assured and wouldn't want to offer that opening which i which i should guys you're the best come on man that's amazing <laughs> Let's know how, how your next rejection goes <laughs> i expect uh, an email a review yes if it turns out to be an acceptance at the end <laughs> <laughs> oh no I, it is it is you guys hit on something so so important of like creating the conditions for uh the delivery so you know you both you know kind of hit on that like how critical it is to have the right environment the right um timing the right tone and tenor for that to be delivered which i which i am far more um sensitive to now than i than i was so all right yeah that was so good just well oh, it's time for your bigger worry all right uh this is a personal one but i think we can get to the bottom of it my bigger worry right now is that i worry that i'm not truly bilingual and what i mean by that is that uh i I'm Dominican. Both my parents are from the Dominican Republic. Their first, their they were born there. Their first language is Spanish. My family, my older relatives, speak Spanish to each other very fluently, very well. I do not. So I I grew up hearing Spanish, 
and learning it that way, but never really reading or like take, I, I never even took a Spanish class in like high school. They gave me, they taught me Latin instead for some reason, which I have never used. But uh, <laughs> because of that, my understanding of the Spanish language is very loose and I wish it were better. It's not to the point where I can't communicate super well with older relatives sometimes. I feel like we sort of have to compromise with like a Spanish-English thing where they have a loose understanding of English, I have a looser understanding of Spanish, and we sort of find the middle ground. Uh, and the reason I'm bringing this up now is that I've recently been trying to learn Spanish better via Duolingo. Mm -hmm. I'm on a 79-day mm -hmm. streak, thank you very much. Nice. And yeah. uh, <clears throat> what I'm learning from actually like doing vocabulary, quizzes and stuff like that is that I've been saying words wrong my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> like and nobody I, told I, you. Right. You know how like <laughs> how like when a when there, you have a baby, you'll be like, this is your grandma. And they'll be like, Uga Uga. And you're like, yeah, that's Uga Uga. Uh, <laughs> my family was like, this is the word for homework. And I'd be like, bone work? And they're like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and I said that like my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> So um, you just have your own hybrid language that you've created. Yeah, for some, for some words and some like some for some words and some phrases, I think I've been saying them wrong for a very long time, wow. and no one's corrected me. They just been like, "That's just how he talks. He's not that good at Spanish. Don't worry about it." <laughs> so, <laughs> um, oh, go ahead. So I, I worry. I worry that I I'm not good at Spanish one like i truly don't know the language even as little as i thought i did and then two my my bigger worry is that i worry that i can't connect with like my relatives as closely as i want to because of the language disparity the second question is incredible and like super deep um and i do i have a, like just a logistical question first so or two um one did your your parents speak spanish in in as you were growing up and did you you listened to, and did you speak Spanish back? You know, yeah. When you, yeah, yeah. I uh, I learned Spanish just from hearing. Like they, I assume okay. as I was a kid, they spoke to me only in Spanish. And then as we started going to school, me and my brothers, like we brought back English or we watched TV or whatever, and that's how I got sort of involved in our family dynamic. But yeah, they they taught me Spanish. I would argue that that's probably my first language. I've been yeah. told in my sleep sometimes when I sleep talk, I speak in Spanish. So, oh, so it's in there. It's deep, deep in the brain. I just think that no one ever took the words that I was hearing and showed me like an index card and went like, and this is how it's spelled. Right. It's for me to like, really know how to pronounce that stuff or, or know the intricacies of the word. How challenging has Duolingo been? Has it been like really uh, easy and you're just like, oh, snap, and picking it up? Or is it more It hasn't challenging? been hard. I think yeah. I, I speak, I understand Spanish a million times better than I speak it. Yeah. Like I can hear it and use context clues to really figure out what people are saying. But if I try to form a sentence like conjugations and certain uh, words you're supposed to use for like like gendering nouns or like getting the right the right uh, article for the right gender of noun and stuff like that, totally my brain doesn't do that. Because again, I think that's like the grammar thing you learn in school and not something you pick up just by hearing the language. Like using los or los for uh, a masculine or feminine noun isn't something that someone's going to stop and explain to you in, in, in casual conversation as a four-year-old. They're just going to let you do it wrong. And then... No, it's so cute. So swell. So cute. Yeah. Oh, with his bone work. Oh. I, I, oh. 
I, I worry that I'm like, you know, when you have like back to dogs, your dog is like staring at you and you're like, oh, he wants to go outside. I worry that I'm just speaking gibberish to my family and they're like, oh, he wants milk. <laughs> that's, that's what he's saying right now. <laughs> and that's just been flying for 28 years. <laughs> oh my God. That is so, and I'm, uh, you know, and I feel like this is so intense because like, yeah, like what you were saying, like your, your anxiety and worry about not being able to connect with people. Like, I feel like this must be like, is this something you've ever brought up to your parents or your family? I feel like it must be really hard to kind of like broach it or even like admit it because it is kind of this weird, you know, in between where like you, you are a Spanish speaker, but right. you have, you aren't a trained Spanish speaker or a, you know, a per- you know formally like a, educated yeah in i spanish my my mom's uh english is very good uh and we we have conversations regularly where she talks to me in spanish and i respond to her in english and i think that we we are fine and we can communicate everything we need to communicate i think it's mostly like my grandma or if we meet relatives who uh are like visiting from the dominican republic and stuff like that where i worry like there's more i want to communicate but it's sort of just it <laughs> Like I want, I want to explain to my grandma the intricacies of like, oh, I'm doing a podcast, and like, how do I, how do I formulate that in Spanish where it's just like, oh, I'm good. Like I, I just have to tell her like, I'm good, and the the opportunity for like a deeper connection or a deeper understanding of what we're both up to is lost unless like I, I maybe have like my mom or something explain to me or explain to her what it is I'm trying to say. Uh, mm. Yeah, I, I wish I had the the vocabulary to explain those more complex ideas to those people more. There's such a, I mean, there's, I've heard a lot of, you know, stories and people sharing like their feelings of, you know, because of, you know, how the United States is like a culture of whiteness that they've been like robbed of the opportunity to like, you know, learn their language. And I feel like, I feel so much, I feel so many feelings of this, that you're experiencing this, like, you know, you, that you have to do so much work to have to talk. I, I, I feel so heartbroken that you don't get to talk to your grandma the way that like you want to. And I'm so sorry. And, and, <laughs> well, and, I, I'll say not, not to be too much of a debt. Like I, I, I am in the process of rectifying that. I, I understand how important that is. Exciting. It's not like, yeah. So I, I definitely want to like, when I see her, I'm usually like, I'm, I'm practicing my Spanish. I know it sucks. You don't need to like, like sugarcoat it to me. <laughs> I'm fixing it. And uh, I'll, I'll try to, talk to her more but I, I think because I didn't I didn't catch on to it sooner it's been like years of like oh I, I could have been like maybe my grandma wanted to know more about like what video game I'm playing or whatever and I don't have to just wave to her and be like it's fun I'm having fun don't worry about it yeah. it's almost like it's like exercise you know it's like a muscle that you haven't maybe developed as much as you you know and not, not, not that you could have but like it's just an underdeveloped muscle that's like but it's 100%. there and you're yeah. like yeah, man, I know how to use this a little bit, but now I can really train it and totally kick ass in, in this pursuit. I admire yeah. the fact that you're doing it. And I just like, and I just feel so much like, oh, like this, you shouldn't have to do this extra work. Like, I, I just, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I will say that part of it might just be me because I have relatives, like I have cousins and even my, my older brother. I wonder if it's a thing where my older brother the house became more English speaking as like the longer that my mom it's was in America. <laughs> so <laughs> I think he sabotaged me. He was like, I'll be the only one who can speak fluid Spanish. Uh, 
Um, but I, I just haven't been in as many opportunities. I haven't had as many opportunities to be in Spanish speaking situations. Like my younger brother worked at a place with a lot of people who spoke Spanish. So his Spanish got really good, like in high school. My older brother was always really good at it. Um, I, I'm an engineer, as I mentioned, which has famously very few Spanish people in it. So um, I think there's just not a lot of opportunity. But I, I don't think it's a, it's partly America, but I, I think, you know, my family, a lot of my family found a way to get, get around it. I, I right. think I was lacking in it. Hmm. So it might also just be a me thing. The grandmother conversation I'm so fascinated by because you're trying to overcome this language barrier. And in talking like intergenerationally, you're already trying to overcome a barrier of like just her understanding and knowledge and your understanding and knowledge. Yeah, like technology and like all these You know, and like you're just trying to cross <laughs> so many barriers to communicate with this person who's super important to you. And, yeah. you know, it's just like, yeah, but but this is a hurdle you're going to get over, you know. And, yeah. and not to say that there isn't communication because there is, but I think there's a lot of personality and like flavor in the conversation that's lost when you don't have the vocabulary you want to speak. Yeah. Uh, like I, I, <laughs> I imagine my, I see my family talk very fast in Spanish together and they're like joking and it's hilarious. And I, I'm, I'm sure it's very funny, not that I can keep up with it uh, sometimes, but m my conversations are a little more dull with them just because I don't think we, <laughs> we have the flavor, the language, the flavorful language to make like rich jokes like that. It's more just like to the point. So I think I'm, I'm also missing out on like the flavor of, of certain personality traits that my family had. I wonder, are there unique Dominican like regionalisms and like idiosyncrasies to the language expressed ge from a geographical standpoint? Probably. And Again, this comes back to like me learning Spanish just from yeah. hearing. I've been in plenty of situations where I've spoken Spanish to people and they've been like, I don't understand what you're saying. And I'm like, I promise you if I said that to, said this to my mom, she'd be like, great job. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> so I'm just I'm I'm sure there are. I just don't. I couldn't tell you what they are because I haven't gotten to that that stage in Duolingo yet. But I I'll report back and let you know. Was the Latin placement in high school for SATs? I, f I feel it like that's like, always. I was like, these will help you on your SAT words. They said it would help with English. Like you learn yeah. a better sentence structure and stuff. And I think it looked better on like a transcript for college. But honestly, it was super easy because I had a rough understanding of Spanish and all of the Spanish words are um, their root words are Latin words. So I was just like, I, I can't think of an example right now. But uh, this, I see a Latin word and go like, oh, that kind of sounds like the Spanish word. I'm sure this is the definition of that word. I, Casey, um, did you ever do Latin or do you, are you? No, but I was I, thinking to myself that all the kids, like I think Joswell fits into the kids who take Latin because it's it was always like the very smart very into like kind of like fantasy or like video games like kind of <laughs> like my brother took latin like it was people who were both like very like striving for like the sat thing that you were talking about kevin but also in our school like lat the kids taking latin were like learning about mythology and like there were kind of was this whole like uh fun world building that they were doing whereas like i think the spanish and french classes were like Learn the language. That's it. <laughs> um, well, I'm so. with you. I I loved Latin, and I it was it was compulsory seventh and eighth grade in the the middle school that I went to for a couple years, and uh, I loved it. The structure, the order, the precision. You know, going back to my uh, my worry, it's like this language connected to me. I loved the conjugation and the structure. I, it was it was great. I like, I like, 
Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Oh, so sorry. I'm, I'm just curious. Like, I, I enjoyed it at the time and also the historical aspect of it. I thought ancient Roman history was super cool. Yes. So I was reading books on that and stuff at the time, too. But do you feel, what benefit do you feel like you got out of it hmm. post-school? Like, it was fun, I, but what did, you, what did you get? I mean, it's to totally trivial now. It's like, I'll do a crossword and I'll see the root of some word and be like, oh, I remember that one word from 10 or 30, <laughs> 30 years ago now. Um, yeah. I, you know, every once in a while, you know, like you, I'll see a word that like, and, and so there's like a momentary pretentious, like pleasure, of like, Oh, I remember that from Latin. Like, eh, nice. Oh, great. I feel like it's also uh, probably been helpful, Kevin, in crafting your um, lock tight, uh rejections that you probably speak only in latin so there's no right. question they can't yeah. they don't understand it so they can't ask about it that's right, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. oh god well, well just well thank you yeah sorry casey go ahead no i was just gonna say the same thing thank yeah. you oh no Maybe. problem thanks i'm glad i could get that off of my chest here uh please everyone who's listening to this hold me to my duolingo if you see me check on my streak and if it's lapsed <laughs> I'll have to come back on the show. <laughs> well, now now we'll have to get you to lapse because we want you back. But in, in the next round, this is so fun, you guys. Um, Just what uh, we want to hear uh, a little bit more about your podcast yes. and all of the cool things you do and give everybody ways to find you on the Internet. But first, I have a recommendation for Casey. Mm -hmm. This is uh, our recommend something good section. Mm -hmm. Casey, I'm very excited about this. Okay. And I really want you to look at this video just well, if you want to look at it as well. It's pretty neat. It's an Irish gardener, and his name is John Lord. Mm -hmm. And he gives you a tour of his shady garden. He, uh, he's got a YouTube channel. This dude is so awesome. He is... Everything you want from an, an ex, he's an eccentric uh, Irish gardener who <laughs> is delighted to give you a tour of his shady garden and the plants that are growing in his shady garden and <laughs> everything that he does in his shady garden. It's like soothing and informative and just delightful. And this dude is like, I, I, you want to hang out with him. He's, he's awesome. Super, super awesome. I will check it out. Yeah. Okay. Please. My recommendation is kind of embarrassing because it is uh, once again, something that's kind of like an action and not really um, like a piece of art or video or something. Okay. And you don't even need to do it, Kevin, because I love it when you give me homework. It's okay. so, so like, great. <laughs> okay. Uh, there is a service in central Connecticut called the modern milkman. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, 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 it's descriptive, so I can guess what you're talking about, but I don't know of it. No. Okay. There's a service in Connecticut that will deliver milk to your door. Wow. Okay. And I don't know if you're a milk drinker. I embarrassingly still will drink milk. People make fun of me all the time. I'm putting it on this podcast to make it just it, please fill the comments with the hate. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I know you have kids and they probably drink, maybe they drink some milk. My kids love milk, and my wife loves milk. I am lactose intolerant, so oh. I will. Oh, this is offensive, then. No, whole no. Whole hot, hot new thing. Yeah, whole milk's a hot new thing. Is that what you said? Whole milk. That that's super oh, oat bold. milk. 
yes there's lots of milks but basically what this is is like it's a subscription where they drop off like milk and other sundry basics like eggs or butter or things and uh and it's a, a lot of it is in like recyclable um you know stuff like the milk bottles are glass so you just like give them back to them like just like it used to be and since i'm trapped in my home because of this global pandemic uh i've been getting milk delivered to my house <laughs> i love <laughs> like it. it not only you're giving me homework but you're making me spend money so i, I, I know, love that's it why i'm like don't do it <laughs> no, it's, just, I'm like... <laughs> it's so cool I feel like uh, I'm, I'm jealous. You know, my grandmother has been dead for 20 years, but I feel like I can bond and connect with her because I remember she used to always talk about the milkman and she had an old tin, I think, bin behind her house in her steps. And she's like, that's where the milkman makes his deliveries. And I always love that little What's bin. What's old is new. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. The modern milkman. Yes. Um, Joswell, your podcast, Coach Me Sensei. Tell us about yes. it. Um, Coach Me Sensei. Uh, it's a podcast. We're only about seven or so weeks old now, but it's a podcast I do with my co-host, Cassandra Khan. We talk about sports and anime. I am an anime enthusiast. She is a sports enthusiast, uh, and we are dating. So we decided this would be a good opportunity in the pandemic to sort of just learn about each other's hobbies. Every week we sit down, we give each other assignments where we have to sort of explain a, a new story or a topic from each other's hobby and then we usually get things wrong they're often games we did a musical number one episode it's been it's been fun it's been a lot of fun the dynamic is incredible and it is funny it is sweet um hearing cassandra teach you about sports is delightful and you teaching her about anime it's awesome um and that exchange yeah. of passions it's a great great listen so so much high, generosity high recommend. and faithfulness yes i love it Thank you guys so much. It's very sweet. Yeah. Well, thank you for being on the show, Joswell. Did thank we do you. it, guys? I think I we think did, it. did it. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you, dear audience. I, I hope everyone feels a little less worried. Is this true? I, I definitely. Great. Yeah. All, All right. right. Thank you again, Joswell. We'll see everybody on the next episode. Bye. <laughs>